0: Guys, welcome to another episode of Metal Mastermind, the Metal Mastermind podcast. Your host, Jason Stallworth, got co-owner of Metal Mastermind on here, brother. Ken Candelis. And we have a special guest today, Nick Z. And guys, we are going to talk about guitar snobbery or guitar tone snobbery. Oh, boy.
1: Yeah. Can I I make a suggestion of the podcast? Can I suggest it's (laughs) Raining Men instead?
0: It's Raining Men
1: yeah, you know, It's rain. No?
0: Can we mix rainy men with raining blood? <laughs> oh. It's raining bloody men. But yes. Oh, man. <laughs> it's raining bloody men. Jesus, Ooh. that got dark real quick. It really got dark, dude. Yeah. So, took a, <laughs>
1: took, a, took a quick left turn.
0: Guys, welcome really? to the podcast. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. Oh.
1: We had to lighten the load a little bit. Nick's too the
0: load early. Well, it's about it's to get really early. heavy, no pun intended. With well, I'm, I'm
2: all in the blood right now.
0: It's you like, are, man. totally
2: yeah. in my space. Yeah, Ken, <laughs> Ken's, Ken's
0: background, he's got this reddish, like, in Hades background. Pretty oh, cool. yeah. That's oh,
1: all we need. I'm into it. But then you have the flower <laughs> door, too, that just kind of offsets the whole thing.
2: Yeah, right? I know. <laughs>
1: you know, you're like, <laughs> fun fact, actually. This uh, is uh, metal. Uh, <laughs> oh, there's some flowers. Yeah. Fun it's fact, female.
2: actually uh, Elizabeth actually uh, painted that door. She's oh, cool, she's an man. artist herself.
0: Cool. Yeah, oh, this beautiful. is
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, so let's talk park, about yeah. Let's talk about this uh yes, and we will. Uh what what about guitar snobbery? What makes somebody a snob on guitar?
1: Oh, I don't play anything other than uh analog JP <laughs> Have you uh that's interesting that you're using an E minor diminished chord there? Uh to me, I, I would have used the F7. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just that's a snobby ponytail theory guy, but you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's so much in guitar that we have freedom to express ourselves with, right? So I think at what point do we get to a point where it's just a little bit too much for what needs to happen? I think sometimes as musicians, we overthink a lot of things. And when we're getting to something like guitar tone, this is definitely one of those out of many different things that we can be overthinking about. Uh, but how much, then Jason, maybe this is a perfect question for you. It's like, how much, does a guitarist need to really focus on the perfect tone? That's and a very
0: good question. I mean, from my perspective, um i I don't want to say I don't worry about tone so much, but i I, I kind of don't. there's there's <laughs> there's like a kind of a static e q setting I use on my amps and amp-sims, and it seems to be the same across the board, no matter what I'm using. It's just what I like. Uh, To me, if I can't use an amp-sim or amp and quickly dial in what I like to hear, uh, I'm not going to use that. Fortunately, there are plenty of amplifiers. My EVH for one, the EL34 tube version, uh, the amp sims. I love positive grids by SFX. I use their tri- their triple tread plate I believe. Uh, their Mesa Sim, along with their Celestion speakers, and there's several others. Nick, I know you use Neural DSP on some, but uh, uh, I'm not really like I said. If if I can't use my typical settings and hear something I like. I'm on to the next. Fortunately, I've really, I really don't come across that problem. My quick tip for guitar players is I record two rhythm tracks, hard pan them each. The second guitar sometimes does something a little different. So that way you've got, you know, you've got really a nice mix in there, a nice blend. And what I love about, and we're kind of getting off tone. we'll we'll get back on that. What I love about recording two guitar tracks and hard panning them is that second guitar, and no, you don't copy the guitar over because that does nothing but raise volume you record that second guitar track you're not going to be perfect right it's not going to perfectly match which i love imperfections those little nuances will be captured to me my opinion that makes the music a little bit more lively you don't want to be like completely off obviously you got to re-record it at that point but you're going to have those slight nuances and in my lead tracks up the middle anything cleaner ambience up the middle so i i guess i don't focus on tone as as much because i kind of know what i like already so i i just dial that in and go with it
2: okay so i have a follow-up question to that because i think a lot of guitarists identify their personality you know or their persona with guitar tone right so it's just oh you know this is my sound right that's kind of like what a lot of people say and and nick i want to ask you this when somebody comes to you know even a session or even a live show or whatever it it might be how much do we have to deviate from the concept of oh this is like your tone versus this is what the song needs oh, oh god
0: <laughs> here we go uh,
1: drop the hammer on that one yeah, you know it make it painful <laughs> hold on cuz here comes the hate mail um (laughs) i deal with this almost every session almost every session i deal with this like I, i you know i talked about last time i was here we you know talked about people wanting to go analog versus wanting to go di and doing sims and stuff like that and um i i have to have the hard conversations with people about expectations about like you know what you're used to listening to what you think is important um What's, what's, you know, mixing-wise, like, what's in the front? What are you actually hearing? Sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll ask a band. I'll be like, all right, what's your favorite song? And then I'll play it for him, and I'll show him, the guitar player in specific, I'll, I'll show him how pushed back his guitar is. I'm like, Do you, Can you hear how far behind the vocals that is? And he goes, yeah, but it's still there. I'm like, yeah, no, it's there. But it's, it's really, you hear how far behind the drums and the vocals it is, like, you hear priority-wise, like, how deprioritized it is. And he gets all butthurt about it. And I'm like, dude, it's really important. It's really, really important to have that guitar sound, that saturated sound. But uh it, it, like in the grand scheme of things, it's a it's a layer instrument, you know? It's a it's a uh it's it takes up space. Oh, a lot you of know? space. It's like a yeah, full bandwidth mean? type of instrument. Well, it, when you're dealing with distorted guitars, yeah, it's like it's it's such a hard conversation to have because people do get so fucking attached to their tone. And like, I I, I don't know. Like, I I appreciate that. I, I really do. But there's also the, the huge conversation, which is what is it that you're trying to do? And can we get realistic about what it is that you're trying to do? Like, first of all, you're playing the guitar. Second of all, you're playing it through an amp. Third of all, you're playing distortion. Fourth of all, you have drums, bass, guitars, vocals, maybe keys. If you're lucky, I'll, I'll get a key or whatever. But this idea that like like you have to embrace that you are in a metal band or a rock band or whatever. Everyone wants to think that they're breaking the mold, that they're so outside of, oh, man, we don't sound like that, man. It's like so many bands that that, that I hear and I'm like, you know, what do you guys sound like and they're like oh man we don't like to labor or label ourselves like anything uh you know i i feel like we you know we we sound, you know we have a little bit of like tool influence but you know then we you know real heavy uh you know like mashuga and then blah blah and they start naming off these bands and you listen to them and i'm like oh, okay so you guys sound like you know every other band from 2001 to 2009 you could have just said that You know what I mean, and it's like it's 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 hard to get objectivity. It's it's really really difficult. And I think it's you know it's it's like the old adage, like know thyself, Mm -hmm. know thyself. Like if you can detach yourself and know what kind of band you are, you're gonna save yourself so much time. Because if you just go, hey, listen, man, we're a fucking metal band. We want to be heavy. We want to sound good. Like if you like, and like we talked about last time, like macro micro. Like if you're focusing micro like done nah, on nah, man we got to be different we got to be this thing blah, 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 blah. and if you pull it way out like why can't we just be a good metal band that people enjoy listening to you know what i mean do we have to be so different because it don't get me started on it because i'll fucking it, bro if you have all of those things you're not different if you have a guitar in your band you're not different
0: right
1: you know what i mean if you have drums in your band you're you're not different if you have a a set of wind chimes That you uh, beat another human being with, and you mic that, and and mic the sound of the thumping and the screams, and run it through a delay pedal. Like, all right, that's different. You're going to get a different sound. You know what I mean? Let's let's talk about something really different. This is avant garde. garde. That's what I'm.
2: That's avant (laughs) garde. That's that's different. Yeah, like that's a different
1: sound. You might be coming up with something that's unique. But if you're doing the things that I've described, it's not unique. It's just something that we like to do, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. It's like uh, if if you like it, it's something in sports, like basketball or something like that. Like what Jordan did was not unique; he just did it very well. But it was still basketball. You know what I mean? Like he was still playing basketball. So, like it, it's okay to be in a metal band and to do that. And to that end, the whole reason I said that is to get to this point. If that's true concede that you're going to have a guitar tone that's heavy and that's going to sound good and then drop it drop the dude lately i've been on these these fucking uh uh jens borgen put out the one knob pack for the fifty-one fifties. oh nice you seen that one knob seen that yet i'm looking it up Bro, after
0: this after this podcast
1: though one knob i played one riff on it and bought it like this dude. Wow. It's it's one fucking knob. It's, there's no tweaking. There's no endless bullshit. You just, as a gain knob. You want more gain, you turn it up.
0: Oh, and in I the mix, it.
1: like, I so I'm a 5150 guy. That's what I play. I, I like have a 5150 yeah. into Celestians. Excuse me. That's my rig. And when I play it, you know, in the live room and, you know, record it. And then uh, when I come in here and play it, there's very, very little difference that I could tell. And in the mix, I can't tell at all. And that's good enough for me. Like that's that's great. Like my guitar tone is there. It sounds good. It's heavy. Wow. Like, we don't need to endlessly pick over this minutia. It's a it's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy, and most of all, you're you're fooling yourself. Like if it's something that you like to do, like design new guitar tones and stuff like that, like that's cool. But like, and if you're if you're tweaking guitar sounds to try to find things that are cool or unique or different, that's also cool. But if you're just trying to find the ideal distorted tone. I
2: have a I have a I have another question. How about effects? Because I know a lot of guitarists also let's okay. Rhythm guitars are pretty straightforward in this sense when it comes to distortion. But you know, a lot of guitarists also also their lead players. They want to have like a spotlight moment, you know, in their song and they want to add and embellish with different kinds of effects what how far is too many effects and what how much is maybe not enough effects or should they keep it as no effects and then leave it to post to make it happen
1: that's uh that's interesting so there's two different schools of thinking on that uh the first one for me at least and i'm sure jay has something to say about this as well uh is if that riff is already written it has effects that are doing something to the riff like if you're playing off the delete uh the delay like if you have a running into delaying chorus and reverb and stuff like that like and that riff affects the way if it affects the way that you play by having that effect on print it because i want to hear your hands moving that effect around you know what i mean you've changed the overall sound of the guitar when we start talking about leads and effects and stuff like that, we're basically talking about everything that I just said about rhythm guitars is the, the polar opposite experiment until your nuts fall off. You know, if you have the time to sit there and experiment with effects and different things and, you know, all, all of the cool effects that are out now, like do that until you turn blue in the face. Like I, that's where I'm at. So I've done it with guys that, that, you know, obviously, if it's a more straightforward project or if the guitarist, you know, already has, like, pre-effects that he wants, like, uh, stuff already dialed in, then, yeah, definitely use that. But I've done it the other way, too, where we've DI'd it and built uh, built stuff backwards, as it were, and it seemed to make more sense. I've done that. Actually, I just finished a Shoegaze record, and I did a, a Shoegaze record before that where we did it both the same way, where we just basically DI'd kind of a, a, a rhythm tone, and then went back in it and started tweaking and finding sounds that were incredible, you know? Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, now I prefer to do that because, like, sitting there and having to, like, play a riff and then, you know, tweak it or whatever. Like, for me, like, I'll I'll record a riff and then tweak it on a loop. You know what I mean? Just so I have both my hands and my full attention. I don't have to sit there and play the thing, you know? It makes sense, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so, Jay, I know you you strongly have a lot of opinions on melodic versus shredding solos. Where do you feel like effects play into all of that? And when is it an appropriate time to use effects as a guitar player?
0: I am kind of a minimalist when it comes to effects, Uh, like my metal rhythms, rock rhythms. I feel like if you use too many effects and this probably isn't the case for everyone, this is just me, that things kind of get lost. Uh, It can get muddy. So I, I want, because I do play a lot of riffs, I want the clarity to be there above everything else. And I feel like too much effects will, will kind of muddy that up. So I might use a hint of reverb. Now, this last album, I recorded everything with my EVH amp. Uh, I'm very happy with the tone. Uh, I know I could probably pass it on to Nick, and he would make it sound even better. And actually, I need to send those to you. We'll make a video out of that, Nick, to see if, if is this is a workable tone. You might say, no, dude, this isn't a workable tone. Tone. well i'll take nick's advice scratch it put a pin in that right.
1: let's let's circle right back to that but finish what you were we say.
0: We will we, we absolutely will we'll talk about that real quick um and I, but as far as rhythm goes i don't really record with a lot of effects if i'm recording uh with amp sims same thing i might use a touch of reverb on those just because I, I like i like i don't know it does something to it for me uh although you you probably can't really tell when you listen to the overall mix but To nick's point about the performance if playing with a certain effect is going to help you perform a little bit better go with it the thing about plugins is i can turn the reverb off after the fact you know Uh, leads real quick i only like to add a little bit more mids i might move the mic closer to the cone of the speaker so that it can cut through the mix you know because if you've got the same exact tone as a rhythm sometimes you know the, the lead notes can get lost if you're playing lower lead notes uh and the other thing i do like delay on my leads but Nick, you know, we're talking earlier, uh, you know, pre or post, um, you know, recording with an amp, a lot of times I'll put the delay plug in on on the track so I can hear it in my headphones because that sure. when I'm playing guitar solos, that delay does impact the way I play. So right. I like to hear. And of course, plugins. I've got the delay on and oftentimes I'll leave it on. I've I've toyed around with the idea of like. Recording with a delay pedal, and just you know what? Okay, I know it's printed already, unless I were to use the DI, of course. But if I just recorded the amp, I, I know it's there, and I'll just have to be happy with that or, or do it over again. You know, I'm always okay There's doing things over. Again, so, uh, but anyway, yeah, let's let's you said put a pin in the one part. We're talking about the rhythm guitars. Um,
1: yeah, so as far as fitting your guitar into the mix goes, it so it's interesting too, because I, I just had this conversation, um, with my band uh the band i'm in now which is an old man band i love it dude. As, as it were <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> you know hey listen i love it uh I, i'm gonna i want to be in bands until my i can't play anymore you know what i mean like i Good. i enjoy playing Good. music it's it's my life so nothing like it I Have I a, a little band and we've been writing and stuff like that and my other guitar player is a, a real guitar head guy um you know, like we were talking last time, like he came up on Metallica, and he mm. he writes one guitar part. I write I write for two guitars. He writes for one guitar, so he's mm. very notey and very shreddy, and like there's not a lot of room in what he does. I write uh, one guitar does one thing, one guitar does the other thing. Um, but anyway, uh, we were we were jamming this past weekend, and uh, we were talking about tone, and he's like, I don't know, man, your tones is fucking. It sounds so dark and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, right on. I'm like, what are you, you know, like, what are you missing in it? So I went over to the presence knob on the 5150 and turned it up. And I'm like, is it this? And he's like, yeah. He's like, there it is. That's the tone, man. That's, that's (laughs) what what the fuck I've been missing. That's what's up. And I'm like, okay, I would immediately cut that out of the reason that's not in the mix now is because that presence region, that three to 4K. Mm-hmm. is this is like you know that that gets cut pretty quickly in in mixing you know what i mean like i don't i don't like that in my mixes that's where the vocals go so
0: super important point dude man super you know important. what i
1: mean like yeah. I, I i like i like mids in my guitar like they don't sound it doesn't sound uh, you know fantastic when you're just sitting there playing it by yourself but in mm-hmm. a mix it sounds incredible and i'm a big picture guy so he had me turn up the presence, and I turned up the presence, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure it sounds good. And I'm sure the next sound that we play, it's just going to sound like a hot mess. But listen, if he's happy, then I'm happy. Like, whatever. But when it comes to that, to that point, Jay, of of what you're talking about, like, like it, it only matters in the context of the mix. So like, I would move your shit around uh, so that it, it retains as much of the signal is as humanly possible um with letting the other stuff be in the place that it's supposed to be in and it, you know i i there's a guy that i follow who's pretty famous who has this this famous line that if everything is loud nothing is loud
0: mm, good point and yeah. <laughs> that's
1: that's a huge thing like everyone should have everyone that mixes should have that on a sign in their studio in big bowl of letters Um, because it's it's super super important and i mean when you start getting into uh that kind of thing it's more about like what does this frequency sound like
0: Mm -hmm. i want to talk a little bit more about that man about the frequencies like you you mentioned how this is where the vocals sit well, i don't want my presence you know sitting in that arena from the guitar right same thing with bass would you say maybe you don't need as much bass in your guitar tone because that's starting to get into the bass guitar frequencies maybe the kick like can we talk a little bit more just about frequencies when it comes to, to dialing in the well, tone I,
1: I, I mean it depends like it depends on how much your bass is doing and what your bass is doing and i, I think a lot of people get in a bands and they you know have one guitar player bass player or two guitar players and a bass player and especially in stuff where there's drop tunings. Again, like it's it's important to know your role. It's important to know like, like like if you zoom out and go, all right, what am I really doing here? Yeah, you know. And if your bass player is just taking up, you know, a little bit of clank and sub information, like that's totally fine. And not only not only is that, uh, not a wasted endeavor. It's a very uh, important piece of the band to have. But if you're playing them like you know, drop A or drop B or or, or you know like B standard if you're playing in like a baritone tuning or extended tuning, or or even like and I mean let's not even get into like like eight-string tunings like F. You don't even need to have a bass. Like Ooh. Periphery has three uh eight-string guitars now, they don't have a bass player. Yeah, really I didn't
2: didn't know that. also uh, animals as leaders, I think too. They're just animals guitars. as leaders
1: has never had a
0: bass player. Yeah, I didn't just know, know that guys, I'm behind yeah. the times Eight, eight-string
2: <laughs> yeah. guitars, man. <laughs> Because you're talking about
1: well, I mean, that's that's a whole different conversation, like thumping and stuff like that. I have yeah. a friend that teaches thumping and it's it's a it's a classical technique, it's unbelievable. But anyway, um it, it's a it's important to know, you know what I mean? It's important to know where your stuff is sitting. Um, I guess it's really not that important to the layman, to the lay musician or whatever, but if you're production minded, you might want to think about these things, you know right. what I mean? That- like if you start go okay. ahead,
2: I was just going to say it it could it could really help in a live show setting yeah. just having that awareness, because now you're because how many live shows do we go to? Right. And and the sound sucks. Right. And it's like part of that can be also something that can be contributed by the musician to make it easier, because sometimes, you know, you get to a venue. uh, Let's say they don't have a lot, but they have maybe just like a Mackie board and a Mackie Mm -hmm. can do something. But it's not like as powerful as a digital board where they can do surgical moves. And on top of that, you have like limited time to do things like that. So if you right. come in with a little bit more of a, okay, let me make this a little bit easier for a mixer to make my live show sound better. Now you're getting off to a better head start, right? You're already cutting down some time on what it takes to get your mix in
1: the live room to sound great. So yeah, I, like I just you, wanted you to add that. You can learn to mix yourself. Yeah, yeah, if you can learn to mix yourself in the room, holy shit, and stage volume, like I mean, that's another huge conversation. Yes. We and I'd have, love to talk like, also more about that,
2: because there's, there's always been an argument about, oh, you know, well, we need to have the guitar cabinet super loud because that's how we get all this saturation tone, yeah. uh, which, you know, definitely is a thing. You know, drive no, compression not- from... From the woofer itself, but that used all you to have be- to
1: do is get the the tone loud enough to drive the speaker. Anything right. beyond that is nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So tell me more it's about that. Do-
0: yeah. Let's talk about that, man. Yeah.
1: Because if you want peak guitar tone, if you want to know where your guitar tone hits the 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 apex, it's when it starts driving the speaker, just loud enough to drive the speaker, and you're done. After that, all you're hearing is. Uh, like it's the same concept of like when you're mixing and you make something louder, does it sound better? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if, if you have mix A and it's at one volume and mix B is a, a louder volume, and you say, all right, which one sounds better to the layman and you play the louder one, they're going to go that one because it's louder. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's or if it tone, has more right? trouble in it, it's the same exact thing. Like it's you're fooling yourself by increasing uh, perceived volume when you turn up the amplitude, that's what happens. So, All you have to do is get it to drive the speaker. If the speaker is moving, if that woofer is moving, like you said,
2: mm-hmm. the end. My, my 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 more my thought process on this is coming a little bit more from let's say microphones because mm-hmm. at a certain point microphones will distort, and there's actually for 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 the amount of flex that a microphone can do. Uh, there's also like a, a limit to how accurate that representation ends up being inside the signal, which I think they call intermodulation distortion. So I'm wondering if it's the same thing with when it comes to like a speaker. So we have that, let's say it's, it's pushing too much, right? Does it start acting more like it's being ultra-limited <laughs> in that case, and it's not even a, a good tone to even try and go for? because now you're oh, that,
1: that's more of a gain thing than a volume thing like uh you know once you have your gain dialed in like once you have your tone dialed in or whatever like turning it up the point i'm making is that turning it up past a certain point isn't going to do anything to your tone yeah now if you're that's playing a, a vfw and they have a very small pa turn your amps up <laughs> you know what i mean if you're playing uh some venue that that's you know a thousand you know five thousand uh seat venue or whatever turn your amp down Like you have to know like what the pa is doing like what the job of the pa is the job of the pa is to throw your you know what i mean like the front of house is gonna mix that and bring that to the the audience like that's not the job of your amp like your right. stage volume and and all of that will come through your monitor, and, and a lot of people don't know that, um, especially people that are used to playing smaller venues. When they go to play big venues, they're like, "What? What? What is this bullshit?" And it's like, "No, dude, you don't need your amp to be that loud. It ruins the mix." Right, and that's a difference the that we volume.
2: that's the difference we call I think backline reinforcement to actual full on sound reinforcement. Right, so when you're in a smaller venue, right, it's easier for your you know equipment to kind of take a little bit more of its own i you know place in sound and just having the system just kind of back that up a little bit versus now you have full-on no we're using the system as the primary sound source here so yeah that's a I that's a great point.
1: i did a show once where i was i was doing uh, a band downstairs and a band upstairs and the room downstairs was really small and really shitty uh and it was it was kind of like a tunnel you know what <laughs> i mean it's like an old hardcore venue uh and i had the pa there i had the the uh the kick and snare from the drums and the vocals going through the pa the rest of them i was i told the guys in the bands i was like turn your amps up until i tell you not to and they did it sounded amazing. Upstairs, was a full probably uh, 1500 person venue the digital mm-hmm. board was literally the exact opposite mm-hmm. literally the exact opposite and i was running up and down the stairs mm-hmm. all night doing this board and this board or whatever but i mean yeah I, knowing that stuff as someone that that's uh creative and whatever and 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 you know having that as part of your skill set it it just puts you so far ahead of the curve. You know, That's, my and again, my the guitar player, I, I'm in a band with with this guy now, and he's like he has this this board, this line six or whatever that you know he helix,
0: right? digitally what's that? The helix, right? The line six helix he's playing with. That? I don't
1: know, I don't know what it is. He's I it's it's something where he can like dial in the stage, yeah. uh on his iPad, like you know, he can he oh, can wow. dial it all in and then send it to the sound guy. They just have the sound guy turn it up. And I'm like, bro, the sound guy has a job to do. Like, he <laughs> knows that room. Like, why are you doing his job for him? Yeah. Like, what? Like, I'm like, are you out of your mind? You're gonna you're gonna mix our band and then just leave it statically and make no adjustments as we're playing. Like, yeah, I can't think of a worse idea. <laughs> I'm like, let the sound guy be the sound He's like, Oh, you're gonna get a shitty sound guy. I'm like, No, you're not. Not if you have like a good solid tone and you you go in there knowing what you have to do. Like they'll dial the room in. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's easy peasy. Yeah. The
0: moral of the story here is is, is as a guitar player, and I know us guitar players, we can be a a little snobby sometimes with the tone, but it's a good idea to just listen and trust and work with your sound engineer, not against the sound engineer.
1: Always. always it's so hard i remember when i was a kid and the egos and just the way i was when i was young versus the way i am now knowing what i know i you know again if i had known them what i know now i just like disrespecting their gear and just shitting all over their opinions like they would somebody would try to tell me something i'm like you can't tell me shit the fuck out of my face or <laughs> you know looking back to it now i'm just like oh what a fucking idiot piece of shit i was take it so to I'm the man saying, yeah. <laughs> you know what I, yeah you know what i mean just trying to be punk rock about it yeah, it's like ruined. Yeah.
0: like cool you just ruined your sound so great job nick <laughs> that's you know but me I, I mean guys I, like tone is important but i i me personally i'd rather focus more first if we're talking about recording going back to the studio i my core focus is more on the song itself and is yeah, this yeah. song resonating with me is is it you know, am I bringing something out that's within me? You know, that's important mm-hmm. to me. Uh, so definitely, like vocals and lyrics are probably more important than anything than the guitar, you know, tone uh, and playing live. Well, I'd rather well, focus I, I on mean- my playing. You know.
1: I, I don't. I don't want to. I feel like we're we're bashing the shit out of guitar players right now, and I I, I, a I bit, don't you know. want to pretend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? A little bit, you know. It's okay. Though. <laughs> well, but this is the thing:
1: is that like guitar players are super, super, super fucking important, and yeah. I mean, obviously, it's it's the the most talked about thing for a reason. Sure. And it's not to say that what you're doing isn't important, or that tone isn't important. It's just it's only important up to a point. Up to a
0: certain point, right?
1: to me at least you know what i mean like i'm not gonna sit here and pretend like tone isn't king like tone is king dude we gotta the the better your tone you know but there's a fucking there's a there's a cutoff to that is the point i'm trying to make like get your tone good and then all right good you know what i mean like let's keep it moving like that that one db of of trouble that you added is not you know, and in, in a in a studio setting, it's it's totally moot, but live it's it's almost just as moot, you know what I mean? Like okay.
0: yeah. Now but don't overanalyze, so, don't overanalyze, don't overthink your tone, get it to a right, good point, right. and but, then okay, let's go with that.
2: My yeah. final question to to both of you, uh, as you are both guitarists, right? I I want to know at what point in your career did you disassociate from being too focused on something like that to seeing the bigger picture uh maybe we'll start with jason in this case first
0: um i mean i've I've played in a live setting pretty much my entire life at some capacity since i was 15 years old or 16 i'll say i started playing at 15 i played with bands played in a lot of churches played a lot of solo acts all that good stuff um back in the day i was dead set on playing through my Digitech RP-10 processor. I ran it through a PV Bandit amp, 212. And then later I got a crate uh, full stack, I believe it was. I don't remember the model, but it was a 120 watt solid state stack. But I, I ran my Digitech through those clean channels. So it might even be safe to say my tone may have not been that great back then. I, I don't quite remember. When I recorded, I recorded direct with that processor. And that's what I primarily use. Uh, but it was the sound that I liked, so I was pretty picky about that. Um, but I'd say over the past, because um, nowadays I record with my live my my EVH fifty one fifty amp and some plugins. I got a specific set of plugins I use, and that's just my go to. I've gone back and forth on things a few times, but I'd say probably about three or four years ago, I'm like, you know what, I I have what I like. I'm going to stop going down this rabbit hole of, like, got to find the next next best amp sound. Oh, this new product just came out, the Quad Cortex, this, that, and the other. And we're, you know, we got all these new things coming out, like, every week, it seems like. And I just don't care so much anymore. I like the sound I have. I, I might switch to something else. I won't necessarily call that an upgrade. It'll just me be doing something different for the sake of doing something different. You know, if, if uh, you know, I'm playing solo acts right now, I play those solo acts, acoustic, a little bit electric, mainly through the Pod Go, Line 6 Pod Go. Is it the absolute best tone or guitar player is going to come out? It's like, oh, oh, I love your tone. Probably not. I've had a few compliments on it here and there, you know, but it it fits. It just works, and it's, to me, in some things in life, you get to the point where, you know, good enough is that perfection because as we talked about, once you get to that point and go beyond that, you're just tweaking, and does it really sound better after the two hours you spent tweaking? I don't know so anyway i'd say it happened about three or four years ago for me
2: wow nick uh you want to you want to tag on to that
1: i don't even remember what the question was i was listening <laughs> to jay so <laughs> what? intently uh, what? i'm like what <laughs> 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 go uh, i got going okay jay uh, what do you mean bud uh, uh what at uh, what
2: point did you uh go from focusing much on tone to focusing on the
1: bigger picture uh, it's, it's hard that's a hard question i guess maybe around like 20 years ago or so mm-hmm. around 20 years ago or so when I was in my twenties um, was around the time that I could start to afford the gear that I always wanted. And mm-hmm. I started to wind up with like half sacks and uh, you know, and Marshall's and all sorts of, of, of good tones and stuff like that. And uh, you know, it, it was, it, it that was the step up from uh the old like playing with combo amps and stuff like that yeah like shit that you really didn't want to be playing with you know what i mean um but i mean it's important to say too that i'm not really a guitar player like i'm not exclusively a guitar player i don't like like my man dino was a guitar player you know what i mean he'll fucking play like the berkeley kids you know what i mean eight hours a day for years and years and years like, that kid's a fucking guitar player. I'm not. I'm a pianist. You know? I just like playing the guitar, which is a huge distinction, so I don't want you to get it twisted. Um, But, yeah, around 20 years ago or so, like, when we started to be able to use those, you know, that high-end gear, that quality gear, was around the time where it really started to stop mattering. Because I would see people do this thing that I'm, explaining this this the forever switching out amps and forever fucking chasing down this this uh you know elusive tone that's always over the next horizon no no it's just over the next horizon it's just over the next horizon and like like i'm all for like you know bettering your sound and and making things sound cooler and stuff like that but like again you know like i said last podcast they do it in a vacuum they sit in and play in front of the ramp ad nauseum too close Mm -hmm. to the ramp because they have to go back and forth to dial it in. It's just, and to me, like back then, like once I got something that sounded really good, I was like, okay, that's the sound I was looking for. You know what I mean? And it's changed over the years. It hasn't stayed static, but I mean, in 20 years, it's probably moved from, you know, Gibson through Marshall to, uh, PRS through 5150 yeah. you know what I mean and like there's there's huge differences in those tones and you gotta know which one of those tones you want to use but like the, the tweaking of the tone isn't endless like you get a tone that sounds good and like alright here we go let's go let's fucking go you know what I mean it's not you know okay. what I'm saying
2: yes so one final question I think just to kind of round off our conversation of all of this which one's more important? A higher quality guitar or a higher quality amplifier? Or are they both? Or is it none of them?
0: <laughs> wow, man. That's a... Um, <laughs> I think I... I mean, me personally, I might would choose the higher quality guitar. And now let me preface by saying that doesn't mean it has to be some, you know, 2000 or $5,000 guitar. Um, what I would say is like I don't most of the middle of the road guitars, in my opinion, that are anywhere between like nine hundred and maybe fifteen hundred, maybe a little more these days, like an Ibanez Prestige, like uh, the ESP LTD models, their their M one thousand. I'd rather have the guitar only because that's going to impact my performance. If I have a crappy guitar and it doesn't play well, and it just it's just crap, well. I could be playing through the most awesome rig ever but i'm not going to get my typical performance out of it you know so i i mean i don't want to play through a crappy amp but if you're giving me a choice which one <laughs> you know I'll, I'll make the best with the higher end guitar as opposed to a crappy guitar
1: okay nick Ugh, i have so much to say about this <laughs> i have so much to say about why,
0: this. <laughs> why must here choose? we
1: go All right. So first of all, when it comes to guitars, I don't think price matters that much. I think once you, so in in my experience, there's a tier of guitar, which is like $50 to about $250, where you're going to get a similar playing instrument. And then there's $250 to about $600, where you're going to get a similar playing instrument. And then $600 and up in my experience. And that means $600 all the way to $18,000. There's not going to be a huge amount of difference. I do that. The, the guitar behind me, the PRS that's sitting on the wall is $1,300. It's got a plastic nut. It's plastic. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a joke. Like, does it play good? Yeah. It, it's a, it's, yeah. it, it plays okay. You know what I mean? But I had a PRS. that was $600. It doesn't play better than that. 600, the, the extra, you know, $700 that I spent on that guitar did not change the playability of the guitar. So first, if you can get a guitar in the $600 range, I think you'll be set forever. And I think what's more important than getting a, a guitar uh, that's expensive is a guitar that you can play well. Yeah. That you can play well, specifically. the one Because that's your interface, you know what I mean, man? Like, if you can find one that your hands love, cool the other huge consideration is are you playing what kind of music are you playing hmm. like are, if you're playing shreddy 80s metal you better have a high end guitar because That's the me. the cheaper the guitar uh the more you're going to lose intonation right. you know what i mean uh the the wood is going to be cheaper you're going to get uh compressed particle wood your truss rods aren't going to be as good they're just they're not going to be as well built if you're playing rhythm guitars and you're way down at the bottom of the neck um, and you, you know, you're barely getting up past the fifth fret. You can, I have a $200 Jackson that fucking rips for that. Uh, yeah. I put a laundron in it. That motherfucker.
0: <laughs>
1: Forget about it. But I mean, and again, I have to tune it, you know, every time that I play a song yeah, because it's, it's not well built in that way. So I'm, you know, I would lose that. Uh And as far as amps go, like, if if you like the way the tone sounds that's all that matters you know what i mean like if, if if you're happy with it like i said like once you get to that level of gear where you can get like a, a good half stack with celestions or sheffields and like buy an amp that you like like a nice head or whatever or even now like a nice processor like uh the quad cortex or like the helix or, or something like that like if you can get something like that and get a good sounding tone that you like that's all, all that matters so, like, I, you know, I skirted the question by trying to explain away my answer, <laughs> and
0: the the We're answer still to get is, an answer, Nick. <laughs> well, the
1: answer is, what's your priority?
0: Okay. If you're that's...
1: doing something like Jay's doing, where you, you know, you you need to be uh, in the upper parts of the fretboard, buy a more expensive guitar because you're going to lose that. If you're a rhythm guy, you can get away with a cheaper guitar and maybe spend more money on an amp. Gotcha. And that would be my my answer for that. Great, okay. great. Can answers. we
0: talk about amps real quick, though? We, you know, you're talking about because I know they're making really great solid state, like the orange amp. They have a new solid state amp out, and I haven't played through one yet. I'm hoping to play through one at the local guitar store, Replay Guitar Exchange, coming up when I go there next week, or actually, it's this week. Um, is there a huge difference, Nick? You know, this is a whole probably different conversation, uh, but tubes versus solid state when we're talking about amplifiers,
1: of course, of course, it's huge, huge, huge. I mean, with tubes, you get that uh, really you get a warmer tone. Okay, in my opinion, you know what I mean. You you get a a, a rounded out lower mid. Um, there's a reason why when that technology was invented, that people have been chasing that uh, tube amp sense. You know what I mean? And that's been a standard. Does that mean that there's not a place for solid state? No, no, there for sure is. And I mean, especially like if you're doing something that's colder sounding, or if you have uh, some kind of modeling, like I, I saw a band right, right, a couple of years ago and they all had uh real high end amp modelers running through solid state amps and you can't tell the difference. You know what I mean? Because the, the technology is there now. Um, so that would be my answer for that like uh would i record a solid state sure contextually if the context was right you know what i mean but again like i I don't even i don't even really go into the analog world anymore you know as far as guitar goes because what's going on in digital is is you know i I can't remember if we talked about this last time or not but like this idea of like the old analog guys like having a mic cab and get that sound and blah 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 blah. the sound that they were looking for all along that they're eventually going to come to is the one that's on my di now you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, the the fucking the default sounds that come with like most of these plugins are what these analog guys were looking for all the time and if they could hear it they would lose their mind
0: would uh-huh. would you say these plugins are kind of like you just said? I think you just said this. It it they, that's the end result. What we plug into when we plug the guitar into the interface, pull up our favorite amp sim and play through that Mesa sim or whatever it is, fifty one fifty, that's the end result that the, that we were looking for. Recording that tube amp, right? Just the right. Lot. If Let's you if you zoom
1: slow. out enough, then yeah. that's it. Like I, I all I care about is the record and how does it sound? Right, right. Um, you know what I mean? Like if you can get a good sound doing what you're doing, great uh if i can get a good like at the end of the day like if i if i record a record and i go through this and uh, you know i've talked to ken about this a bunch i think we even talked about it last time we were talking about like analog versus uh in the box recording where people are always talking about how good their their five thousand dollar compressor is and i'm like that's cool (laughs) does anyone notice it on the record or people like, holy shit, man, that's incredible. Like, how did you get that sound? He like, well, I can only get the sound with this compressor versus the guy that works in the box. It has an, you know, an equally good sounding record. Wow. Like, nobody gives a fuck outside of us. Right. It's just a cell gear, dude. At the end of the day, like, if it sounds good, it is good.
0: So that brings up another point, you know, and and maybe this is for all you guitar players listening out there. And and it's hard for us to adapt new things and and change sometimes. I I get that. Totally get that. I've had many flaws in my thinking over the years as a musician in other areas, too. But you have to ask yourself at the end of the day, am I writing a record for just musicians and guitar players so they can say, oh, what a great tone? How would you get that tone? Or, Or are you writing a record for people that like that style of music? I think there's a, a little bit different mindset that goes on there.
1: Yeah, well, that's a whole rabbit hole of a conversations and musicians playing to musicians. Right. Right. Yeah. Some great memes about that. And I mean, that's, that's been a thing <laughs> we've been playing for other musicians our whole lives, but uh, you know, it's so funny when another musician walks in the room, the way you're playing changes. Oh man. You yeah. Know?
0: But I you're mean, that, you know, favorite.
1: like, like we were, we were talking about before the podcast, Jay, about, get all you know, expectations and you know managing before you even go into the situation that you're going into having a vanishing point that's way way down you know obviously in the distance of again know thyself what are you writing for what's the what's the purpose what's the purpose of this record you're writing? Is is it music inside you that just needs to come out you've always wanted to write like there's that's the best you know that's the shit if, if you're writing it to go on the radio, that's fine. But you know what I mean? We have to have a conversation. And right. You know what I mean? Like all of those things are really, really important to consider, I think.
2: So. Everything with intention.
1: Yes. I like that. Yes. I like that a lot. A- at least, uh, you know, some forethought into it. Whether or not it executes that way is another story. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, okay. it, 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 you might, you could have all the best intentions in the world and have it turn out like dog shit and vice versa. You can go into it totally blind and come up with the most amazing thing ever. But, uh, you know,
0: you know, back to the conversation of, of, you know, working with your engineer and other professionals rather than working against them. Um, you know, I, I always tell myself, I don't want to be my own weakest link so Mm -hmm. if we're if we're in the studio and you know nick were to say to me hey man i'm gonna i I would say hey you know what nick just change the tone to whatever you think fits best i'm just going to play the music and i'm going to trust your judgment on that you know unless it's something i just completely don't like but i really can't imagine that being the case with you because you you mix rock and metal music so you know and and i think there's and i'm not saying you have to take all of that right i mean maybe there's something i I might want to change but again work working with your sound engineer and the producer versus working you know against them I think that's important an important takeaway
1: sure and and again it's it's the same concept as you know getting that initial tone yeah. and and then leaving it alone you know what I mean like i uh, I think and having a conversation of like look is this tone gonna sound good in the mix You're like what are we what are we searching for in the mix and like there's all different levels of that. But yeah, I, I, that's one of the reasons that you try to find a producer who's like-minded. Like, I mean, if you come in to do a metal record with me of any genre of metal, like, I guarantee you it's not going to sound like shit. Same thing with a rock record and stuff like that. You know what I mean? If you describe your vision to me, like, we'll get it done. But I'm all about healthy feedback. I am not about uh, nitpicking feedback yeah, and nonsense. Like Like, shut the fuck up. You know what i mean like if you want to talk about the difference between like a, the sound of a marshall or an orange or a 5150 or, or, or a randall you know what i mean if you want to have those conversations and try a couple of those different amps out contextually i'm all fucking for that if we're going to endlessly tweak knobs for five hours like no we're not doing that like no. you, you had a guitar sound five hours ago man and it fucking right. ruled and what are you doing you know
0: <laughs>
2: yeah learn learn Dude. to trust the process because the whole point of a sound engineer in that situation is to try to make it fit into the bigger picture, and you know sometimes you have to just learn to let go.
1: <laughs> and and I mean, let's go, let's circle it all the way back to the beginning of this this podcast and just know thyself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you because. And everyone that plays metal and everyone that's punk rock thinks that what they're doing is the most unique thing and they have blinders on and stuff like that. And you can just just take a step back and go, no, man, I'm just a metal band. You know what I mean? We're we're just a metal band. We're just a punk band. We're just a rock band. You know what I mean? And if you do that, then you can then understand that there's uh, an entire army of people that understand what you're trying to do and are there to help you. Like the sound guy, that guy, he's not an idiot. He's not going to fuck your shit up. You know what I mean? Like with, with some exceptions, I'm sure. Um, But like that guy knows the room, man. And if he's used to dialing in metal, like let him dial you in. He'll take care of you. You know what I mean? If you go to a producer who knows how to do these things, like trust him.
0: Yeah. And Nick, you mentioned what bands, like you mentioned asking, well, well, what bands do you sound like? And they're like, whoa, no, we don't sound like anyone. We're original. I I think it's important to, and yeah, your music's going to be original because you wrote it, but I think it is important to say, well, I'm, I am kind of going for this vibe here and here, maybe a mixture of that. That even goes, and this is another conversation for another day, but that even goes back to marketing. Ken, you and I were taught this in marketing that, you know, well, what do you sound like? This is how you develop your audience my last record masterpiece i said hey if you like a Marth and you like megadeth cuz those those are two different styles and that's kind of what this record sounded like well th- those are the people that are probably going to like my album right that's that's kind of mm-hmm. what i was what i was going for so i think it's important maybe to kind of associ- associate yourself with you know some bands that you're similar to cuz yes. you want to get the right audience listening it, as well it is,
2: it is certainly not an insult to your creativity right, right it's just a way to make your sound clear yeah
1: it's communication yeah it's a, it it's a communicative device like if you're if you say uh I, you know what uh, we're a heavy band and i really like the vibe the Acacia strains putting out uh, that's communic- you you've just communicated something huge to me like I know that band I love that band like I know what you're looking for I know how to go after it I know what to do if you come right. into me and say you know uh, I'm a heavy band and we're just I don't know man we're just kind of we're just kind of doing our own thing uh, like I'm lost you haven't communicated shit to me you know what I mean right. and, and I appreciate I'm an artist I, I appreciate the 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 need to be unique Or the Mm -hmm. want to be unique. But I mean, again, zoom out. Like, do you have verse, chorus, verse going on? Because you're not. That's not unique. It's just (laughs) pop music, man. It's just pop music. And there's nothing wrong with fucking pop music. I love pop music.
0: Yeah. Uh, But know what it is. The four magical chords, right? You know, uh, and one other thing, too, guys, you guys listening, if you're not sure what you sound like and you're really like, you know, I, I really don't know, if you have a following, any type of following on social media or wherever, you know, Post a clip, a short, short clip of one of your songs out there and ask your audience. They will tell you. Your audience loves to be a part of that process. Can I? This is something you and I learned as well. Uh, put, put a song out there, put just a short clip out there, something that you put together and just ask them, Hey, can you guys name three bands this reminds you of? And they will tell you. Mm-hmm. And that's something you can take back to your producer, your recording engineer, and, and just get a, a, a better, um, you know, more clarity on what you're trying to do.
1: And, you know, every once in a while, something rolls around that's really, really hard to define or put into a box. You know, a new genre gets created or like a, a, a really new sounding sound. Like I said, the Acacia strain, like in the early days of deathcore, like, you know, that was a kind of a new sound. Like that's that's really hard to explain. And if that's the case, that's fine. Like if you're sure. if you don't have a band to explain it, like if there's like Spirit Box like who the fuck sounds like spirit box you know what i mean like you're gonna right. gonna go into the studio and be like uh you know oh yeah we we want to sound like x y like no dude that's a brand new sound like that's brand new like that doesn't sound like anything yeah that's yeah, mental you know like that's okay but be aware and if you are in a situation where you're doing something really avant-garde and unique like that's what the fuck is up like that's that's the apex that's the cream of the crop yeah. um But if you're not, that's okay too. If you're just a guy that likes to play metal, that's fine. You know, like I know what my band sounds like, and it makes me really happy to play the music. And I think it's unique sounding or whatever. Does that mean I can't give you a couple references of what I want it to sound like? No, sir. I have all the references. If I was gonna send it out to a mixer right now, fucking forget about it. And a list of mixer, uh, a list of references. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And on that note. Let's take it away because this is all about what we're trying to put out there, right? About creating your own sound and knowing yourself is a big part of that, right, Jason?
0: It's a huge part of that. You know, I want you guys listening to focus on creating your own sound, you know, focus on being original uh in other words you know don't necessarily go into it trying to sound like another band that's not the goal but understand that your influences that you've had over the years will naturally come out of that you know it's it's natural for my riffs to kind of mimic not necessarily sound like but be similar to what you would hear from the older metallica megadeth stuff like that i love bands like i'm on of martha i love nightwish you know There's a hint of that uh, in in some songs. Uh, Bands like Evergrey, you know, they're they're another Finnish band. I like a lot of the European metal. uh, They just have this this different vibe. But, you know, go into it. Yeah, you're going to write your original music. It's going to be original because you wrote it, right? But to Nick's point, you're still going to have a verse and a chorus and so forth, right? You're going to have those elements in there. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong without being able to give references to what you sound like that's okay. That's actually a good thing. That means you have an audience because at the end of the day, you can make all the records you want and spend hours tweaking tone. But if no one's listening to your music, well, it goes back to that conversation, Nick, about you talking about, are you making this just to have something out there? Say, yeah, I did it for my friends, my five friends listen to, or do you want to create something that's going to have some sort of movement in the market? So,
1: Well, and, and i think it's a really important thing to say uh, and i maybe should have said this before we even started but i mean being this harsh about guitars um being this you know this this super dickish about guitars is about trying to maximize creativity not minimize it it's not about shutting people down it's about focusing on what matters and does guitar tone matter? Yes, but it only matters to a point, and that's a, that's a point that I'm trying to make. You know what I mean. I don't want anyone to think like, "What the fuck is this guy talking about?" Like, <laughs> you telling me not to be creative? No, be creative, but be yeah. creative where it matters. You know,
0: don't let your tone hinder you. Don't let the hours of tweaking hinder you from being creative. So that don't let it restrict you. I totally right. get that, man. I totally right. get that.
1: How many guitarists do I know that waste hours and hours and hours of their life trying to? fucking dial in a distorted guitar
0: yeah
1: and i'm like bro you have three knobs on that amp you fucking kidding me (laughs) dial it in and let's go like you you know what i mean like endlessly tweaking frequencies come on man
0: i love it dude nick it has been a pleasure absolute pleasure having you on man i love the wisdom that you're sharing with us dude and uh all of you folks listening right now I, I know that you got some valuable gold nuggets Hey go back and listen to this again and I encourage you guys break out a notepad get an old school notepad I mean, take some notes man a lot of things will just lodge in your head and and you'll retain it a lot better because Nick brought up some extremely valid points I think will help you guys uh, guys want well, thank you once again for listening Nick thank you again for being on here man. appreciate oh, you brother it's my pleasure sirs. Real quick plug, guys, for you in the show, uh, go over to metalmastermind.com. Nick actually has a complete course. We just made a major upgrade to that course. There's four completely different mixing scenarios. It's called Metal Producer Overlord, the mixing series. So look for that on metalmastermind.com, guys. Grab a copy of that. Uh, That's going to help you tremendously, give you a lot of value there. So, guys, thank you once again for listening. As always, create your own sound.